Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this podcast episode, something a little bit different for you. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Gemma Bella. Gemma is currently living with long COVID and I found her on Instagram and she just shares really helpful, educational, informative videos, kind of breaking down the stigma and helping to educate the public on what the condition can be like to live with. And I just thought this would be a really fantastic discussion to bring to the podcast. She talks about the condition as feeling heavy. We talk about mental health. We talk about the financial impact of not working and having this condition. She talked about the guilt sometimes she's felt with having this condition, acceptance, and she also talks about control. I think it's so fascinating. I hope that you like this episode and I'm looking forward to bringing more patient experiences and stories to the Business of Healthcare podcast. Enjoy. Hey Gemma, thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's really exciting to be My here. My pleasure. So you have got a fantastic Instagram page. I've got Instagram envy. I'll do like one reel, then it's too hard. And then I do one for like another six months. And I want to, I came across your profile and what attracted me to it is that your willingness to talk about your experiences with long COVID and you do it in a really accessible way. And I just thought it's not a topic that I've covered on the podcast. I've had COVID. When I think back to when I had it and how melodramatic I was <laughs> and then I see your experiences, it's like, oh, okay. So I just, I really want our audience to hear your experiences. I think the patient experience is super, super important. So could you share a little bit about yourself and when the symptoms first started to develop? Yeah. So I, just to give you a background, I was a science teacher. So I'm at a secondary school, which I I was really enjoying, but um, I think I was on the road to burnout anyway. Um, I got COVID in February, half term, and had a couple of days off off work, which was just horrific to me. The, the idea of having two days off work was like, you might as well put me in prison at that point. I then battled through, got back to work after I had my um, negative COVID test back and I just powered through. But the symptoms that I started to experience were quite scary. I genuinely believe there was probably something quite sinister going on in my body. So I, I was lucky enough to go to a respiratory specialist 
and I had multiple chest x-rays, um, blood tests, all of the breathing tests and things like that. And um, very, very fortunately, they said, I'm absolutely fine and there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, absolutely fine um, on paper. I then went back to get some more results and the respiratory specialist took one look at me and signed me off work for three weeks. And again, that was the most horrific thing that someone could have said to me to have three weeks off work as a teacher. Um, and that took me up to Easter holidays. Can I ask, what year was this? Uh, this year. So February yeah. 2023. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I had until Easter off work. I did say to my employers, to my head teacher, I am certainly not taking note of this fitness to work note. And I will be back in school before Easter almost tricking my body into thinking that I'd be okay. Easter came around, still no better. In fact, I was actually getting more weird symptoms. I would start getting severe leg pains and muscle weakness and joint ache and things. I felt like 100 years old. Easter holidays ended. And again, that was a pinnacle point for me where I thought, yeah, I'm going back to work. I'll be fine. I can do it. I was in complete denial. And yeah, the sickness notes just kept coming they just kept rolling 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 until eventually we got we hit July and yeah the rest is history I am um, I haven't gone back to work I I can't go back to work in the sense of of teaching seven till seven in the in the in the term time and yeah that, that's where I'm at currently it's been a, it's been a journey it's been a roller coaster I would say that <laughs> so have you actually been given the diagnosis of long covid yeah. So I, after multiple tests from a specialist, I then went to my GP because that was the only route. Um, in fact, the specialist wouldn't even give it long COVID diagnosis. They they were very adamant that it was a post-viral illness that they couldn't then divulge into anything else. So I had to go down the GP route, which was, of course, the right way to do it. And I was fortunate enough to use all of my specialist reports or medical notes, and they were able to then give me that GP diagnosis which they then referred me on to the, the long covid assessment center which is then I, I had a call with them and yeah I'm now on that on that list for long covid patients. When you told your employer that you've been signed off for three weeks but you're not going to you, but you're coming into work what did your employer say? They were extremely supportive and they were very strict with the fact that they almost took the power and control away from me from that and they made me follow that fitness for work note so I was very fortunate in that fact because if I had have done what I wanted to do I think I would have been a whole lot further back even now I think I needed that power and control to be taken away from me because I wasn't able to make those decisions for myself at that point. You've got a blog which is I think is fantastic and you've got all of your social media presence which is great you talk about you use the words guilt and acceptance so you feel really guilty about having it, but you've also accepted it. Where do you feel about that? I'm going to say today, because I'm, if you're anything like me, you know, like one minute you're like, yeah, and the next minute you're like, no. But yeah, how are you today when it comes to feeling guilty about having it and accepting? It's been a journey with the guilt. The guilt has probably been the dominant emotion in all of this in so many different ways. But today, as you ask, um, I would say that that guilt has subsided I feel more in control of of that guilt and I I've 
deflected the blame really from myself to circumstantial things that have happened to me in my life and I can't blame myself for it anymore so the, the guilt has definitely been a contributing factor in in everything in my recovery and in my symptoms but the I'm not afraid to say that I have had uh, therapy to help me through it because I've had to have a whole perspective shift on my brain um, and my emotions towards how how this situation has arisen and this journey that I've put myself through or see that language there (laughs) I haven't put myself through this but I have had to really kind of take myself away from my deep-rooted beliefs and core values and actually strip it all back and think this happened to you it is not your fault it is not old Gemma's fault old Gemma was just doing the best she could in the situation that was presented to her she knew what she knew you know more than she knows now and so I've had to completely strip it back and and retrain my brain my like literally entire complex on what I believe to be myself it's been a journey (laughs) and with that therapy did you pay privately or did you get that on the NHS so I pay privately which I I'm very much aware of how fortunate I am to to be able to do that. And of course, with now being off work, that I was very um, much supported with my work in terms of being a teacher in the education system. So I was very fortunate with that. So I still had that income coming through. Now I'm on my own in terms of financial sense. I do have a boyfriend, which I'm very fortunate to have <laughs> um, for more, more ways than one. But I... Yeah, the financial side of it is now becoming a increasingly poignant point for me. But um, yeah, the therapy I, I needed, I, I couldn't avoid. I, I had to. It was the only way. I think I genuinely believe it was the one of the biggest things for my recovery. So now you've got the diagnosis and you're on the long COVID like referral list. What support do they, does that kind of program and pathway provide you with? I think it's very different in different counties in the UK. I received a fair amount of support back in May when they gave me a telephone call and then a Zoom call. And then I was invited to a private appointment with them um, at a a centre. However, I, you could take it or leave it. There wasn't a lot of information that I was able to gain at that clinic I actually learned a lot more on in the online communities and via my blog and learning from other people and doing my own research, just literally just Googling things and hoping that something sticks. I know people's experiences with the long COVID clinic have been very, very different. I realise how fortunate we are in this country to have these provisions in place. However, I don't think it's been a big part in my recovery. I would say that. You wrote in your blog and one of your doctor's visits, the doctor said you are healthy and you found that helpful? I, yes, I did. I think I'm a glass half full kind of person and I was sat there and I could take it either way. I could take it as, but I'm not healthy. Who do you think you are telling me this? Or I could take it as, okay, I'm going to put my trust in this person telling me that my test results and all of my scans and everything are okay and this is just a process that I'm going to have to take and let's just get on with it let's just ride this wave and see see what comes up it was it was kind of a sliding doors moment for me and I think I've had quite a few of those during this time 
like almost poignant points in in my recovery that I really look back on and that was one of them but I I realize how perhaps dangerous that comment could have been if I'd have taken it the other way yeah that would have been an interesting thing to have happened but yeah I decided <laughs> with the control that I'm that I had I decided to hold on to that with the idea of how lucky I am to have that okay I'm healthy there's just some things going on right now and I the way I like to look at it is that it's the software that's gone wrong and it's not the hardware and I think that's another big part of what's helped me with my recovery is that this is a software issue and if this is a software issue we all know with computers and laptops we can sort that out and we can deal with it yeah it's tough it's tricky and there's a lot going on but we can deal with it. We don't have to change the entire laptop, which is in this case me. <laughs> so so I, I knew that it was it was a a comment that could have gone either way and I chose for it to to favour me in that sense. I really like that. I can use the software hardware analogy moving forward. What are the most frustrating things people say to you about your condition? I mean, you've done some videos. Sometimes I've like I have to like have to stop and be like, babe, or like my husband, like Come like, can you believe that somebody would say X, Y, and Z? But yeah, share some of the things, well-meaning slash idiotic, <laughs> you know, like piece of advice people offer to you to help you manage with your condition. So I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have surrounded my, well, I've, I'm surrounded by the most wonderful family and boyfriend and friends and things. And so I haven't had many ignorant based comments in my own personal life. I've kind of seen more of it online, which is, yeah. of course, of course, to be expected. You know, you put yourself out there online and, of course, there's going to be um, different comments. And I appreciate that. What has inspired a lot of those videos are from people that have commented on my videos yeah. to say that that's their own experiences, which again, like you've said, that it was almost shocking to you. I, yeah. I found it. I found it shocking as well. So I've kind of used it as a kind of a creative license in that sense okay. where I, I haven't personally experienced it to the degree that I perhaps base my videos on. However, I, I know full well that it is, it's out there. <laughs> there yeah. are lots of, lots of uh, gaslighting going on and judgment and assumptions happening yeah but so some so some for example from from my perspective I actually had a comment the other week this is actually my own personal experience um where I said yeah, I've, had, I've got long COVID and they said oh oh I've had COVID too oh that's yeah it's not nice is it and I said no it's it's long COVID so it's like you know the and they were like what's that what's long COVID I haven't you what is so I said well it's kind of you know have you heard of ME or CFS have you like anything like that like, what's that and so for me that is that comment is known where near malice or it's yeah. just complete yeah, like, like, ignorance almost yeah. naivety and I I came out of that thinking okay I've got more work to do or okay I, I, I can I can kind of I can see that there's still this gap that needs to be filled but yeah I, I the comments online are very interesting are they hurtful not to me I I and I know people probably say that and perhaps are lying. I, I personally quite like them because I then think, ha you're wrong. And then I make a video about it. I was going to say, of, oh, yeah, yeah. Every, 
everything's content right <laughs> yeah everything's content but it's one thing I would say is it, at times it has at times it has been really I think when I'm feeling really low and emotional and and just downright in the pits I I have to avoid reading them because if I read a comment that's like long COVID isn't real you're just a snowflake you you're doing this for attention or for for money I'm like I haven't earned anything from this I'm just doing it just for 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 pure community and and reaching out to those people that perhaps don't have that to access yeah. so they really get me the ones that don't believe covid is real and then the, the other ones that get me is the the vaccinations but it's i try not to involve myself in that um because it then turns into a political political thing so i i try to avoid all of those comments and i i, I think what why did i create this it's for a lovely community so why would i even entertain those types of comments so is the assumption that when it comes to vaccinations the vaccination gave you long covid yeah or did you what and did did you get vaccinated i was I, I, the last vaccination i had was december 2021 so what does life, what does a typical week look like for you at the moment? I wake up and I I look at what my symptoms are. I assess what's going on with my body today. I always meditate in the morning because that has been another big part of my recovery. And I do a body check-in. So I look at what what's going on, what's hurting today, what's the problem today? Is it my breathing? Is it everything? Is it fatigue? And I kind of assess it on that. I'm at a stage where I have the energy to do things like this and to make content and to write a blog and to take my dog on a walk, which is like a godsend to me. But I still have to be very cautious. I wake up and I have to assess. So currently, I, in terms of work, I'm tutoring two hours a week, which is a huge achievement for me. I mean, previous Gemma would have kind of laughed in my face if I'd have told her that that was an achievement but I am very proud of that that I'm at least bringing some money in and also connecting with students and teaching them science which is what you know I love anyway so that is for two hours of the week yeah the the other 100 hours I spend making content spending time with family resting recuperating meditating doing as much as I possibly can with what I can if you know what I mean it's um I'm also currently studying a for a counseling course so that's been a really really beneficial thing for me to do as well so that's every Monday online and again that's that purpose that I've got there I'm learning something I'm taking something on board to use for the future because previously for the last I don't know eight months I didn't have that I didn't feel I didn't feel well enough to think about that future. So now I feel in the next stage of my recovery with that. What does it mean where you said at the beginning of the interview, you kind of had to really reframe and maybe like deconstruct who the old Gemma was. Now, like what do you, what does it mean to feel healthy? To feel healthy, I think would be to wake up and have the entire day not balancing what you can and can't do. Um, and not thinking about and assessing and monitoring and pacing all of the things that are potentially going to send you into a crash or a flare. So talking to you now, you people will think, oh, 
she's absolutely fine you know she's able to conduct herself in a way where she can speak on a podcast and then she you know she might do some reading after this and you know she might then post a video so she must be fine but it's there's so much more to being unwell than just feeling unwell there's a whole nother side to it that I don't think people consider the emotional mental cognitive toll that it all takes so health can't just be summarized for me in okay you feel physically healthy to me it's the whole shebang (laughs) and right now I don't have that I I yes I'm definitely on the road to that physical health mentally I'm doing a lot better emotionally I'm doing a lot better which I'm very fortunate to do because I know there's a lot of people in the long COVID community that can't say that but it's it's the side that people don't consider that I believe is the is the route to that health because I right now I wouldn't consider myself healthy I would consider myself on the road to health but I still have a long way to go is there anything, do you feel like your journey and your interactions with healthcare professionals, do you feel, you know, like safe and supported when you meet with your GPs or when you go to clinic? At times, yes, at times. I, I'm i very lucky that I have had a positive experience with the majority of the people that I've seen. So my respiratory specialist, and I also saw, saw a specialist in, in the heart, and I've seen multiple GPs for various reasons and things. So I would say 90% of the time I have felt yeah. validated and safe. There was one instance where I would say that I had a negative experience on that. I went into the GP for three separate reasons, but kind of all just needed to be looked at. And I was completely dismissed and they weren't even really aware of what long COVID was. So the symptoms that I was having, I was quite concerned that, yes, they might be linked to long COVID, but are they linked to something else? Could this all have just been long COVID could have just been a cover-up for something even more sinister. And I think that's that's a, a thing that crosses a lot of people's mind when you feel so, so unwell. How is this just long? Like, how is this just something like a virus has caused? There must be something else going on. So I went there and was completely dismissed. Um, and actually a comment w- was, you're not drinking enough water. And I said, but I am drinking lots of water. And she said, well, maybe you were drinking too much water then. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost want to get that like tattooed on my arm just to be like, yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. But I am very fortunate that that was my only experience through this so far, but I am aware from this online community, from messages and comments that there are so many people out there that have had an awful experience with healthcare professionals and being gaslit and dismissed and invalidated but I'm also aware that there are some fantastic healthcare professionals out there as well. So it's it works both ways, of course. What is the Long COVID Collective? Well, I I would say I haven't put as much work in this as I would want to. But the idea came to me when I had written some of my blog posts and I would get a few emails or comments or messages from people going, oh, thank you so much for writing this blog post. I really wish that I could have write something, but I'm either too unwell or I don't have the confidence or I don't have the platform. I I wouldn't know where to start. So I thought, 
well, why don't I just put something on my website? It wouldn't take me five minutes just to add another tab on my website and just allow people to write whatever they want. And I appreciate there are Facebook groups out there. And of course, Instagram's a great platform for that. But there's obviously a word count for all of it. Um, so I just thought I would just add that little section in just so people had that opportunity to write whatever they want to write. If, and if they wanted to write once a day, they could write once a day. They can do whatever they want. It's giving them the freedom because I'm well aware that I I am privileged in the sense that although I've had long, or have long COVID, I'm still living with it. I am at a place in this journey where I can do these things. And I'm aware that a lot of people are completely so unwell that they're not able to even read my blog post, let alone write their own. So I just wanted to make it a space for people to do that. And actually, it's been really, really nice to to get other people, because at times, although I'm writing, I feel still that isolation that others feel. So it's been a really nice thing kind of to get that information back and that feedback back from others that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So, yeah. How have your family adapted and supported you? You've said that they've just been absolutely fantastic. I suppose it's hard to speak on behalf of them, but just is there anything that you think them saying certain things or doing certain things? I think you mentioned your mum knew when to give you breakfast and, you know, like what sort of breakfast and things like that. Like just because sometimes you've got obviously the patient or the person living with the condition and then you've got people around them and sometimes you you want to help but you don't know how to help and you want to say things but you don't want to be annoying do you know what I mean it's like oh it's like a balancing act completely and I and my heart goes out to those that have people and loved ones in their family that are suffering because it's it's difficult for them just as much as or you know just as much as for the person suffering yeah, my family have been amazing in the sense that they've just done what I needed them to do. My mum has been amazing in the sense that she has given me everything I needed and more. I actually had to move in back with my parents for like the first few months because of how unwell I was and how my boyfriend commutes into London every day. So he wasn't able to look after me as much as I needed him to. So yeah, my parents were just extremely patient. They didn't put any pressure my mum fed me three meals a day, which is what I needed, because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have eaten because of how bad the, the nausea and the low appetite was. But in terms of what they did differently, they were just there for me. Or they just they just had my back, if you know what I mean. And it actually makes me feel quite emotional talking about it because, mm. they, yeah, they just had my back. And it was it was a really, although it was a really tough time, it was a really special time as well because I wouldn't have had that. I wouldn't have been able to see them as much as I had. I've got a a little niece who's about one and a half now. And so I saw her quite a lot, although that was awful for my energy levels. I kind of had to see her. For, <laughs> I had to see her for five minutes and then go, OK, I'm going off for a nap now because I can't deal with you. You're very cute, but you're exhausting. So but that time that I had with them all was what I needed. I, I feel that my recovery was benefited by those connections I had. I, I became very trapped in a bubble, but I was in a very safe bubble with with my parents and my family. And I've got some lovely sisters. Yeah, I was just fully supported. It's very difficult, though, for people to know what to do. And I'm not saying it was all perfect because there were times when I felt very isolated and people didn't perhaps know what to do or how to treat me. And, but I think the main message is just to, just to be there, just to, you know, check in. And, and you mentioned 
being annoying but actually I think if you if it turns out that they're pestering you or being annoying in terms of here eat this or here do like not necessarily do this but kind of keep checking in on you to me that annoyingness could be put up with rather than those feelings of isolation and and no support the business of healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their gob for good campaign gob for good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call, or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. I think when you're talking, and I don't know if this is specific to diabetes, but the three pillars of care well, in type one as well is self-management, access to community, and access to trained, you know, like professional experts and it, it sounds like you have that yeah in regards to you've got you're on the pathway you've had the you've kind of had the initial support and that you've got access to a therapist which is amazing and I think listening to you speak you've you know you're very clear it sounds like you know like you've done the work <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that and I'm pleased you've noticed that because I have I have done the work and I feel proud that I I'm able to say that because I and potentially before all of this I'd never have been able to admit that even if I had I wouldn't have I felt too almost I wouldn't want it to come across as cocky or you know that I've but I have I've worked really hard mm. to get to where I'm at and you, yeah that you talk about the three pillars of care and thinking of it holistically yeah that's exactly what it is and it's so vital that, that all three are met it's kind of like yeah. maslow maslow's hierarchy of needs you you need that you need those three things in order to to start your recovery because if you if you don't have that there are so many barriers put in front yeah. of you it, on a mental level on an emotional level on in an individual level on a community level it's it's so important to to have all of them in place i think what is not on there and I don't know where it'd fall under, but as well, even as if you're a child or an adult, is the financial impact. Because if you can't work, yes, that there are benefits, but sometimes they're quite hard to access. So there is that the self-management of the condition, but there's also, as you said, life goes on and you've got bills to pay. So I think that there is that, I don't know where that would fall into, but I think that's probably, well, not probably, I think in some instances, the financial impact of not having a job at the best of times is, is tough. Yeah, that, um, that, yeah, that would be the, pre- the, a huge pressure. Um, and I know that's a huge pressure for a lot of people with chronic illnesses, because if you don't have the money, you're going to have to go to work to get the money or you're going to have to apply for support from the government. And all of those take a toll, whatever it is, whatever way you try to get this financial income, there are pieces of yourself that you have to give up in order to get that. 
because that the government support yes it's in place in some instances and I know that people are receiving it for long covid but it's not it's not easy and it takes a piece of yourself and that impacts your recovery greatly it, it would impact your recovery but personally for me I'm very fortunate that I have had the income it hasn't been the full amount but I have had the income from my school I'm currently no longer employed by them for the fact that I handed my notice in this time last year so I I knew I wasn't going to be working for them from um, the end of August so for me I'm now facing that income side and thinking about what to do and and where to get it from but I realize how important it is to and I'm I'm, I, I think it's a really good thing that you've mentioned here that in order to get that finance you lose that part of your recovery because I've seen it firsthand you need to put everything into this recovery and it's not as simple as you know what the GP told me is just to rest there's so much more that goes into it it's avoiding things and and reducing stress and minimizing workload and for some people that's impossible to do you can't if you're a mother or a father or you're a caregiver or you have responsibilities that you literally wouldn't be able to pause and I've spoken to lots of the individuals that have this and a lot of them actually ask me well, how do you have the space and the time and the energy to do your videos and it's I say because I have nothing I have no other responsibilities and I'm so fortunate for that at the moment but yeah th- there's there's pieces that you lose from that financial aspect and also having those extra responsibilities of having children and my heart goes out to those that are struggling with that with that battle of I've got a chronic illness or long COVID or whatever it is and I'm still having to give pieces of myself for other people or for other things which is the balance isn't it so as an employer myself from my own experiences so I've got a daughter with type 1 diabetes sometimes I've got to go to an you know I've got to go to an appointment or I'm at work and I'm checking my phone and you know like maybe I'm a bit distracted or today is a is a difficult day and I think some employers I think you know when the condition and I think type one loads of people don't know what it is if they don't understand you know it's not I don't want to name a condition but you know like there are some conditions that even if you don't understand you like you've heard the word and you're like okay I've got a rough idea but a condition that's relatively new or quite rare it's quite hard to get your employer on board but I don't know, you probably won't want to hear this, but I think as an employer, you say, I look at your social media presence and I'm like, I see that she's a science teacher. She's very creative. You can put those videos up any time of the day. You say that you're trained for account, you're trained for counselling and you're a tutor. So it's like you are, you are working and it's, you know, like it's a difference. I mean, take long COVID out of it. The social media game opens it up massively. It's a different sort of work and that will create lots of opportunities when you're ready to move on to the next stage of your journey. I think social media is a fantastic tool. Yeah, but it's I'm so pleased you mentioned this because you talked about the guilt thing at the very start. And this is exactly this is the battle because every thing I do now is tainted with this guilt of I should be working normally. I should be doing normal things. What, well, if you can do that, if you can post a video every single day and you can reply to comments and you can write this blog and now you're tutoring and counselling, well, surely you can just get a nine to five job and pay proper taxes. And, you know, and kind of, and that's, but that's for me, that's the internal battle that I've had. Yeah. But I've had to, with this work that I've been doing on myself, 
it's so different what this so people would look at my current life and think yeah okay she's she's doing what she's doing and she's fine but that's because it's in a bubble a very small bubble and i'm able yeah. to control i'm able to control every single part of that bubble so previously i would have gone well now i can do this i'm going to jump into this big bubble and go into the workplace and do 9 to 5 and earn all this money but i would i would be losing that element of control so I've had to really work on shifting my perspective with that because the minute I felt able to really commit to the social media side and also commit to the tutoring and like actually get actual real life people to to tutor that was like a big jump for me because that was then losing that element of control yeah because now you've got to be there you know like regardless well not regardless because I'm sure your clients would understand but yeah there is now at 10 o'clock they want to see me you know like, yeah exactly and so it's it's that internal battle of what is right and what looks a certain way I mean with with the social media thing I really held back with it until I knew that I was I was definitely not going to be working anymore and I knew that my contract was coming to an end yeah the social media side I felt very conflicted in the sense that I'm off work I'm signed off work what so you can still post videos or you can still write a blog but that was an internal process that I had to no I know what you mean I think how it looks but I would say yeah I suppose I think I understand what you mean but I suppose from my knowledge it's quite it's pockets of time Mm, yes I suppose because I've got a child with a long-term condition one minute she's but you know like she can yes, have a high yeah. feel really bad and I'm like she's not going to school today okay don't go to school and then at 10 o'clock <clears throat> she's running around <laughs> <laughs> like and then at 11 o'clock she starts to feel a bit quiet again and she's yeah. just like she can't explain I'm like what, you know like how are you feeling she can't quite explain it so it's pockets of time and I think anybody would look at that I think that's not a nine to five job Exactly. And even if it was, it's your nine to five. It's how you mm. process your hours in a day. So I think that it's, I think social media, you know, like if you don't get it, you don't get it. You know, like you're there, you're learning. So yeah. I mean, it's easy to say who cares, but other people yeah. <laughs> we obviously do. But the, you, you will attract the right people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you are attracting the right people, the people that get it, the people that know you, the people that are looking mm-hmm. for the, you know, like looking for somebody that understands their situation. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's trying to take away from giving those people that have that influence, like trying to take their power away. OK, so you're they're going to judge me. They're going to think I need a real job. They're going to think I'm faking it and all this. But actually, I'm in control of who gets to me and, you know, the ship only sinks if you let the water inside. And so in that sense, I've done a lot of work around that. And I'm in a really good place in the sense that I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm I'm really happy in where I'm at with my activities and, and what I do to choose to spend the day. But yeah, there's still a lot of stigma around it and a lot of judgment and assumptions. And yeah, it does make it quite difficult, but it's it's um it adds to it. It's content as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, could you describe in your own way, how would you describe what long COVID is? I would say it is it's very difficult to put into words. I almost like want to just give that answer that it's impossible to put into words, but I won't because that would be annoying. I, For me, to summarise it, it goes beyond the physical challenges. So 
you've got the physical side but then it strips away so much of what you thought of as yourself so the cognitive side and the mental side as well and that can cause extreme isolation and feelings of I think the word would be lost I did a video about it uh, just a really quick video because I felt really unwell that day and I just said it's heavy that that's the only word that kind of comes close is the heaviness in every single sense it the physical side of being actually feeling heavy the emotional side of feeling incredibly heavy the cognitive side you know the brain fog that cloudiness that's heavy and then of course the impacts on all of it you know the stress and the financial issues and the burdening to other people and the letting people down and the guilt and everything if I had to sum it up in one word, it would be heavy. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. If people want to connect with you, where should we send them? Just Gemma Bella, Gemma with a J. So yeah, it's on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And my blog is gemmabellasblog.co.uk. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tara. It's been really lovely. Thanks. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.